0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem.
1: Uh, Reese's, you did it.
0: You stumped this charming devil.
1: What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common?
0: friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, joined, as always, on this midweek show by Denny Carter and special guest for this one time, Hayden Winks. Hayden, true or false, this was something you had to accomplish before the end of the season, is potting with Denny Carter, because we've gone through the last... 13 weeks we're here in week 14 it had not happened yet and you felt a little
1: bit left out
2: yeah this was my uh a touching Rotopat tribute as he would say in the, in his shoes and yeah you have to when you when you learn that denny's joining roto world you know you have to at least get in one podcast with the podcasting goat so i joined him for his his live streams when he's week golfing now i get to do it while getting paid you, you love to see it
3: that's right. And the best part about podcasting with me is you can hear my daughter enter the room and, <laughs> and play with toys right behind me. I'm trying to get, get her out of the room as quickly as possible. But, but yes, it is. It's written into everybody's contract now that they they get to do one one show with me. And I, I appreciate that. I want to I want to you know spread it around. I want to get on air with everybody here.
0: Yeah, it's a form of hazing, I think. It's like if you can make it through this show with Denny, then you can do just about anything here at NBC Sports. And by the way, you mentioned dad duty. That's where Pat is right now. He was instructed that for the hour and a half that we slot out this time to record that he was on dad duty, so he could not join us. But I'm just thrilled to have Hayden. And by the way, if your daughter wants to come and just join us, she can answer all these questions just as well as we can. It's basically a flip of a coin, and that's the analysis that we have.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 we have a very COVID situation right now. I don't, I don't mean that in a terrible like infection way. I mean that in a work way, my wife is on like an important meeting call the kids are roaming free, you know, uh, the dog is running around somewhere. I thought that I was safe in, in this. And actually, this is my son's room. I'm in my son's room. Uh, but it's, it's not, not, not so safe anymore. So sorry about that. There is absolutely nothing to apologize for.
0: Once again, it makes me feel uh, entirely too lonely, Denny, that it's just me and my dog. Uh, and it's been that way. <laughs> We're about 32 years now.
3: Um, well, we, we always want what, what we don't have. And right now I want to just be with a dog or no dog. You know, I, I want to be by myself, you know, no, <laughs> no dog, no kid, no whatever. And, and, and yes, yeah, so I get it. Just week off.
0: That's all you could just week off 24 seven. Think of the possibilities. eBay motors is
1: here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions
0: apply.
4: The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug. But I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new Leather Collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at four ninety-nine ninety nine and sofas at five ninety-nine ninety nine. Ashley, for the love of home.
0: All right, Hayden. It is your favorite time of the show. I know you're a listener as well. Denny, and again, I had to check with Pat to make sure because I thought this one was so good. That I was nervous that we've already discussed it this season. In the spirit of cold weather, Denny,
3: what are your thoughts on soup? Soup is not a meal. It is a nice, tasty appetizer, perhaps. I, you know, I guess the one exception would be if you just put a bunch of meat and vegetables in the the, the soup. But then it's, I don't, is that still soup? I, I, I don't know, because you're just looking at like a, like a mishmash of, you know, in some liquid. So maybe that, if that qualifies as a soup, I guess I could fill you up. But otherwise don't, don't, don't pretend. Let's not pretend like you can order soup for dinner. No one's eating soup for dinner.
2: I have to agree here. I'll go to the grocery store and the soup is so cheap and I'll like rack up like it's always like 10 for 10 on like the little Campbell soups. If they want to sponsor the show, go feel free. But then when my fiance and I are like trying to figure out dinner and like, it's like, we're reaching for the soup. We like look at each other just in total disgust and just like eating fruit, like I have some acai bowls occasionally, I have that for like a meal, and then like in an hour and a half, like I'm I'm eating ramen or, or grilling some grilling some food afterwards because it just doesn't fill you up. Soup is very appetizing on several levels. First of all,
3: it it can be very tasty depending on on what it is. Okay, and I know people are going to at me on Twitter and saying you just haven't had the right kind of soup, but I've had many kinds of soup. And I sound like the president right now, uh, but, uh, and, and <laughs> I've had all the soups, but once you eat it, you're, you know, you're still hungry. And, and I find myself, you know, like maybe making like a peanut butter sandwich afterward, you know, so, something that will fill, actually fill my stomach and make it so that I'm not hangry afterward. Hmm. I, I do respect soup. I mean, there, there's a time and a place for soup,
0: but at the end of the day, unless it is more of a stew than a soup, you are having the same bite. About twenty-five times in a row, and I think that just becomes repetitive. So I think you need something to accompany soup in order for it to reach its full appreciation. You know, yeah. its yeah. its full potential, or else like I'm just going to have twenty-five bites of this watered-down ketchup. And that's not to say I eat bad soup. I mean, soup there are tiers and levels to this game when we talk mm-hmm. about soup. But again, th- just the same thing over and over and over again. That's not cutting it for me.
3: What is tomato soup? Tomato soup doesn't fill you up at all, at all. You could put all the crackers you want in, in the tomato soup and it doesn't fill you up. You could eat three. I could eat th- uh, three things of tomato soup and and definitely still be very hungry. Like it's OK to go along with like like a grilled cheese or something, you know, something to put something in your stomach that your stomach can digest and you can be uh, satiated for a little while. But um, I I don't get when when people I mean, people will say, like, I, I love soup in the winter, you know, because it's nice, it's nice and warm. And when you kind of get deeper on it and you're, well, are you eating it for, you know, a, a, an appetizer? No, 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 it's my meal. And then I'm like, no, I don't, I don't believe you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you're eating something afterward.
0: You're fasting. You're juicing, basically, in just more of a, a yes. consistent form is, is what soup is. Um, have you ever ventured down cold soup lane? any like have you ever adventured and tried cold soups
3: uh no uh what what are are we talking
0: about what are chilled soups there i I believe gazpacho is one there are you can do like a mint and cucumber or you know i see them in the summer like when you go to these really nice restaurants and you want to pay you know 75 dollars for a lunch meal which is preposterous but people do it all the time uh and you know things in the menu might just be cold soup, exactly what you want. Okay, you're drinking flavored water out of a bowl with a spoon, and that's that's not human.
3: First of all, seventy five dollars for lunch in this economy, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I can't, I don't buy it. Uh, but yeah, no, that sounds horrible. Uh, like 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 cold, cold soup sounds disgusting. Like in any weather, I'm sorry, it just it just does. Lots of crab uh, meat in a soup is my favorite. Okay. okay. Uh, like a traveler person, a, as a as a Marylander, no, 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 that, that's New England stuff. I don't know about that. Oh, you know, me. but but as a Marylander, I have to. I actually am legally uh, required to pr- promote this on on air, and so so that that would be my favorite. But even even a nice chunky crab soup, and as disgusting as I made that sound, is is not is not super filling. So I, I I'm mostly anti soup as far as like you know a meal.
0: I, I had a great college friend and he listens to the show and I will not name your name and you're a wonderful person, but three or four dinners per week, he would eat two cans of Campbell chicken noodle soup and a a quart of skim milk. And that was his dinner. I'm, I know it's just disgusting. Uh sorry to revolt everyone out there, but uh it was repulsive and I'm I don't know if he still does it. He's he seemed to be a dad. So um <laughs> he's, he's a wonderful human being he's, a he's had enough
3: sodium for his entire I life if he's doing that. I, 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 and I, I i love and i love the, the repulsive oh yes. my gosh
0: that's that's too good well speaking of repulsive this is today's football section of the show players who for lack of a better word were a bit repulsive in the first six weeks of the NFL season, let you down after getting your hopes up, getting your optimism up after drafting them. And then the first six weeks you thought to yourself, eh, what did I do this for? Those right old guys steered me in the wrong direction. But now, now in the last four to five, and then the next three to four weeks of the season could be the reason why your season has turned around in fantasy football. Players, with the beginning of the year, were disappointments who have since turned their season around that is the discussion day. Didn't you look confused?
3: No, I didn't mean to look so confused. I was trying to think of a way to, to, to pose that, you know, the subject matter. It's like um, players, you have to psychologically get over, you yeah. know, because they, they hurt you and you, and you, you don't like them for what they did for the first six or eight weeks of the season, but you quickly need to adjust your thinking on them is, as I guess what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. Uh, Hayden, are you too young for men in black? No, I know men in black. Okay, like the Neuralizer? That's what we're yes. trying to do for like the first six weeks of the season, and now you just
2: love them. You love them completely. So that's what we're doing. Okay, Hayden, we will let you go first. For me, it's got to be Jarvis Landry, and earlier on the year, there was a lot of problems that he was ha- having to overcome. He was injured. He had hip injuries. He had lower leg injuries. A lot of things were piling up. The Browns were rushing the ball all the time. That really hasn't changed, but the big difference now is is Odell Beckham's gone, and the weather, we can throw those weather games out. So in his three non-weather games without Odell Beckham, so there's been three of them, he's averaging 19.7 expected fantasy points. He's outproduced those numbers as well. He's looks a lot healthier because of those weather games as well. And remember, they only pass the ball like 10 to 20 times in those weather games, plus they had the bye week in there. I think that he wasn't being utilized there, and that actually gave him time to recover down the stretch. And he's been getting all the usage in the world and they play the Ravens. That's not the best matchup, but then they play the giants and the jets. So I think down the stretch, Jarvis Landry, his target share is going to go up. His targets in general are going to go up. And I think that his efficiency, we can expect to get better too, just because he's probably a little healthier now.
3: Hmm. You know, Kevin Stefanski, I think I mentioned it on the wrap up podcast with Josh the other day. He said, you know, going into that, that Tennessee game, he said, like, you know, we weren't passing because we were playing in apocalyptic weather every week, you know, and it's it's true. I mean, those games were not conducive, to, to, to put it mildly, to, to throwing the ball. So as long as they're not playing in 45 mile an hour wind or torrential downpours, sideways rain, uh, you know, I think we can um, I think we can kind of, like you said, Hayden, expect that sort of volume for Landry
0: to continue. And you talked about the game against Baltimore this week, and while on paper it's not the best, I would say, one, the Ravens' secondary has not played as well as we thought they like they were dominating the start of the year, right? And Jarvis Landry actually has a very good track record against this Ravens' team. Now, I don't know how many of those. I don't have the context of which ones are with Odell and which ones are out, so on and so forth. But he has at least five receptions in each of his last five games against Baltimore. So having him as a potential, even in that bad matchup, and he gets better ones, as a wide receiver two wide receiver three, um, makes a lot of sense. I mean, Jarvis Landry is one of these players who, if you like remove the name, Hayden, the production that he has put out and it's arguable, like how high value some of that production is right. It's, it's, it's remarkable what he has done. I would say it's, it's a name that we should be talking about more, but maybe in, you know, five or 10 years after he retires, it's not a name we'll be discussing at all.
2: Yeah, he kept getting scheme touches in Miami, and we've kind of seen it go a little bit away with the Browns, but he is very, very good after the catch. And a lot of his production is after the catch, a lot of it's underneath. We love to see all these PPR short targets, and he's getting those as well. And I, I looked at where he's getting targeted versus everyone else on the team. Hodge or Hodge Higgins, Donovan people's Jones. All of those guys only get targets downfield and they're not throwing the ball to Austin Hooper right now. So whenever the the Browns need eight yards, the ball is going to Jarvis Landry. So, and like you said, with the, against the Ravens, the one thing with Jarvis Landry is even in like tougher matchups, that likely means the Browns are going to have to pass the ball more because they were trying to run the ball as much as they can. So even bad matchups on paper could actually end up being decent matchups for Jarvis Landry, just because you think that the Browns are going to pass more than usual.
0: And I know that Wyatt Teller is back on the COVID list, I believe. Um, he was injured earlier in the year. But that Browns offensive line, when it has all five of its players, are top five unit in the NFL. And we know that Baker Mayfield struggles in confined pockets and making, des- making decisions in those environments. Well, against the Ravens it might be difficult. But let's say Teller is able to come back against the Giants and the Jets. I mean, those are probably two defenses that cannot penetrate that wall of a front five blockers. And Baker should be in a very, very comfortable position to maybe put out not similar numbers to what he did in the first half against the Tennessee Titans. But maybe maybe closer to that production versus his averages for the season, as Hayden, you alluded to, were just dropped so drastically based on those weather games. Uh, in previous weeks
3: they've they really by the way they've really used play action nicely and and more more often in recent weeks um, and that has kept the pressure largely off of Mayfield he uh, he was pressured on 11 percent of his dropbacks against Tennessee now that there's so, for some context the Titans don't pressure anybody so you know just remember that but uh, it probably won't be the same against the Ravens but you know they' they are using play action to uh, to set up Baker Mayfield for success and therefore, you know Jarvis Landry.
0: Not to make this a full-on Browns discussion, but I remember you know 365 days ago. This is about the time, and even a couple weeks ago, when we started getting really excited about the Tennessee Titans. Right, that that was a team that was putting it all together, that had an identity. I mean, the Browns are the 2020 version of the Titans, except Hayden. I think the drastic difference is that their lead wide receiver, as much as we're talking good about Jarvis Landry, is Jarvis Landry. And then the Titans had just a magic maker in, in A.J. Brown. So I think that's a major difference. But other than that, to me, the, the two are very in sync and relatable to each other.
2: Yeah, schematically, just offensive line, powerhouse, lots of play action. And quarterbacks that can throw the ball in rhythm when they're kept clean. And that's yeah. when Baker Mayfield falls off a cliff is when he's under duress. So, yeah, I think the, I think the Browns are pretty legit right now.
0: And then just ridiculously close ridiculous closers, I should say, in the fourth quarter. Uh just imagine trying to tackle both those running backs in the fourth quarter. All right, Denny, what name do you want to nominate here?
3: Uh Michael Gallup. So, mm-hmm. and I know this seems like, you know, big time recency bias because of he just played last night and uh he went for what, eighty-six yards and a touchdown against the Ravens. Um, you know, that wasn't that wasn't necessarily garbage time production. I mean, he caught the touchdown pretty early in the game, just, just for the record. But he's leading. I was surprised to see this. He's leading the Cowboys in both air yards and target share since week seven. He has at least seven targets in five of his past seven games, including eight against Washington in week 12, and then 11 targets against Baltimore in week 13. Uh, obviously, he had the nice nice game against the Ravens, the, the problem with Gallup this season has never been him being on the field. Like during his, you know, really slow September and October, or mostly slow, I should say uh, early season, he was, you know, seeing snap shares and regularly in the high eighties and early nineties or, or not early nineties and the low nineties. <laughs> so you know what kind of music I've been listening to lately. Uh, and uh, so that's not been the problem. He, and he's been running a lot of routes, but it's, it, it seems like, the way that they're using him in that offense ha- has changed. So from, from week one to six, Michael Gallup was averaging uh, 16.5 air yards per target, which is a lot. And then since then, since week six, he's averaged 9.4 air yards per, per target. And his production has been, you know, far less volatile than it, than it was beforehand, um, you know, going forward. Gallup has a relatively neutral, a relatively neutral matchups along with the rest of the Dallas receivers, and I don't really see a scenario where Dallas uh, will be able to, you know, take the air out of the ball and and have you know pat, run heavy uh, uh, game scripts going forward. Yeah, I mean,
0: we had to forget about the Ben Danucci's. Garrett Gilbert also started for them, correct? He didn't start yeah. for no, it was Garrett <laughs> Gilbert. Um, look, heading into the season and blindly putting the stats of Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. On the same page, they were virtually identical. Yeah. Uh, yet the round difference was about four or five or six rounds, depending on who you were drafting with. Now, Omari Cooper is still, by far and away, the team's leading receiver this year. 107 targets, 891 yards, and four touchdowns. CD Lamb, though, and Michael Gallup are... are basically interchangeable right now in terms of just total raw production and that's on Gallup seeing about 11 fewer targets he also has two fewer at least receiving touchdowns but it's so difficult for me Denny to think and talk about these Cowboys receivers without thinking of what could have been
2: well Denny's exactly right because over like the last 2 months he's not being utilized in the same way as early on and in the first half of the year like 95% of his targets were near the sideline and of course those are way less valuable than targets over the middle. Even last night, a lot of his targets were more in breaking routes, which was a great sign. And like you said, he's not being utilized downfield as often. So his floor is a little bit elevated. I also think that people are kind of a little underestimating the Cowboys passing defense or uh, passing offense. Andy hmm. Dalton's kind of stabilized the, this unit a little bit. And with the the Cowboys, they can't tackle anybody. They can't cover anybody. We know they're going to be in negative game scripts in all, all these games. So I think that, CeeDee lamb and michael gallup probably like in flex territory but like if you would have said that like last month you would have been called crazy but i think that they've kind of earned this i think that the difference between dalton and ben danucci and garrett gilbert is like just as big of a gap as as it is from dak to andy dalton like you, you have to basically throw out all of those numbers kind of trust michael gallup and CeeDee lamb more as like flex guys i think amari, amari cooper probably like a wide receiver two wide receiver three right now yeah
0: he can buoy them like he, he can at least stabilize them. And to me, like that is the reason why teams should prioritize if the goal is to win football games. I'm not saying the Dallas Cowboys are winning football games, but I would not put that in Andy Dalton's shoulders. You know, I would put it on so many other elements of their team in, instead of him. And just the drastic drop off of, you know, your Sean Manny into, you know, a, a Andy Dalton type. You know, I mean, it, it could not it could not be more drastic. And we see that, you know, with the New Orleans Saints. We see that with the Dallas Cowboys. We see it with the Washington football team, so on and so forth. So,
1: Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
4: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
2: When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice.
0: is uh, is Brandon Ayuk. First of all, this rookie wide receiver class are unstoppable this year. Uh, I just picked wrong for two. Uh, anyways, Brandon Ayuk is, is unbelievable. I mean, he, we know he missed week one, and then his next four weeks, these were his numbers. 25 targets, 14 receptions, 165 yards, one touchdown in the air, two rushing touchdowns. That's the wide receiver he averaged. Fantasy, wide receiver 44 in fantasy points per game. Again, in those first, I think, five weeks. Of the season, the last four weeks, he's he's gone from the wide receiver forty-four to the wide receiver three in fantasy points per game. Forty targets, twenty-six receptions, three hundred and seventy-six yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, target share: twenty-eight percent, twenty-seven percent, thirty-six percent, twenty-three percent. This is all with Nick Mullins. This is all with Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel. It does not matter right now. There is a reason and a vision that Kyle Shanahan had despite who the quarterback might be when in his head, he wanted to put Debo Samuel and Brian Ayuk together and where on paper, they might win in the same exact ways in similar fashions and are just so good after the catch, he can get both involved. And to me, I mean, Kyle Shanahan is still just a marvelous, marvelous play caller. And he's doing this with again, Nick Mullins at quarterback and it's making Brian Ayuk a top 12 wide receiver play. It seems like right
2: now. Like you said, like with with the men in black reference, you have to erase Jimmy Garoppolo being out because Nick Mullins and Jimmy G for fantasy purposes are pretty dang similar. And Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I thought they were going to be used pretty similarly. And they they kind of both profiles just like yards after the catch freaks. And Brandon Ayuk is the one being asked to run vertical routes and more like traditional X receiver roles. Debo Samuel is like, getting like negative air yards, Some of these games, he's still not winning deep very often. So I think there is enough room for both of these guys to produce. I think it's still more of a toss up of who's going to be the better fantasy play. But I think Nick Mullins has made both of them top 36 plays right now, at least, at least until George Kittle comes back. And we don't expect that to happen to like week 16. So I think the next two weeks for sure, both of these guys are awesome plays whenever you can trust Kyle Shanahan for fantasy production. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, Last week, Pat
3: made the argument that, uh, you know, Ayuk was still going to be very much start worthy in, uh, you know, 12 team leagues, even with Debo Samuel in the lineup. And I was skeptical and I want to say I was incorrect on that take. And it was exactly for the reason that Pat said, it said, he said, uh, you know, that Ayuk is being used as a more traditional receiver and, and they're, and they're just not using Debo Samuel that way. Uh, so Ayuk doesn't have to have those um, those little tosses behind the line of scrimmage or, or reverses or cute little gimmick plays. He doesn't, he doesn't need those as we saw you yeah. know, last week. So, uh, and that's great. That's great for his, uh, you know, weekly, you know, floor and ceiling, honestly.
0: And I, I think that's a great point, Denny, because at the start of the season, he was kind of getting those manufactured touches. I mean, as a reference to the two rushing touchdowns that he had, and we know Depot was out with his foot injury. Well, now, that he's in this more traditional role. It's, it's working out. And I mean, the three teams he's facing in the fantasy football playoffs, Washington, which might be difficult with their defensive line and their defenses, past defense is playing so much better than we've seen from Washington teams in the past. You have know, the Cowboys and the Cardinals. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll start Brent Ayuk in that format. And however, I would not suggest actually watching the 49ers when they play. Like Nick Mullins is the type where just close your eyes whenever he's out in the field because it's going to look ugly, it's going to look bad, it's going to look like non NFL caliber play at times. But then again, you look back on it and it's like, oh, Brandon Ayuk had eight targets, six receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, all right, Nick Mullins. Thank you for that.
3: I couldn't believe that Ayuk had us. I didn't see any of the Niners game last week, but every time I, I saw, you know, just something on like red zone or whatever, it was a disaster from Mullins. And then I see Ayuk has a great day. You're, and and I thought of you, because you, you, you've you said this before.
2: Don't don't yeah. watch the Niners, and I'm, I'm in not. agreement. Do not. Hayden, take us around the horn again. All right, we're going to go to Cole Beasley, and he plays the, the Steelers, the Broncos, and the Patriots. That doesn't seem like it's a great matchup, but I do think all three of those teams are going to keep the Bills honest. And what we've seen the last two months are the Bills are basically leading the NFL in neutral pass rate. And when you remove John Brown from the lineup, and you're still passing at that volume, Cole Beasley is going to get some looks. And over the last month, he's the wide receiver 22 in fantasy usage. He's averaging 13 expected fantasy points without John Brown. And I think that's kind of underselling it. I think it's going to be higher than that just because the Bills are passing with such volume. And Cole Beasley was another one of these guys, kind of like Jarvis Landry, who looked really banged up all throughout October. He looks a little healthier now. He has had a couple weeks to kind of move past his lingering issues. And I, I think that he's going to see like, seven to ten targets every single week and he runs just these very bankable routes and we've seen Josh Allen just take another leap this year and I think the offense is now I'm fully trusting even the passing offense even in these like a little tougher matchups I think that Cole Beasley is going to be the one that's going to be catching all these high value targets over the middle I have a few questions I totally agree
0: with you that this offense is so pass reliant as it should be at times. And they understand their identity with that. But I feel like one, we've been here with Cole Beasley before, like there have been stretches of three or four games where he's put up massive points and then uh, has just disappeared. I also think Hayden, this profile of this type of player I think it it opens itself up to, you know, that type of peak and then a valley almost immediately after that. And maybe it happens this week against the Steelers. Now, for someone, and I'm just playing devil's advocate in this situation, who suggests that, I would also look at the other side and say, well, Brian Dayball has done a fantastic job constructing and orchestrating this offense. And if we can have the most simplistic comparison – of all time, then Cole Beasley is operating in a Julian Edelman-like role here in this offense. And that is very safe, especially when, you know, your number two outside wide receiver is out. I'm just really into this Bills team. And it's a roller coaster still, but it's it's one that I will be rooting for in the playoffs because it is so entertaining and high variance and much more frequently this year in comparison to other years. It has stood at the top Versus the valleys that we have seen as well.
2: Yeah, I just can't get over the the neutral pass rate. I mean, they're like they had a game where they literally went a hundred percent neutral pass, and awesome. it's just it's it's just one of the things where if you're removing John Brown from the lineup, and I like Gabriel Davis a little bit; he's a big play threat. But if the Bills are going to be top five in neutral pass rate, and they are a very functional offense moving the ball down the field constantly, I mean, the targets have to go to somewhere. We love Stefan Diggs, who's going to see ten plus targets every week. But I think Cole Beasley is like right underneath that. And I think that for like a PPR flex option, I think he's very reasonable right now. So I'm not sure if Danny, you have different takes. I know you love some PPR guys like Cole Beasley. I'm not sure if he fits that model or not. I, I do. No, no. Yes. Yes. Very,
3: very much. I like the cheap, the cheap PPR points. You know me. Uh, uh Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would say that uh, without John Brown, people are, our teams are really focusing on Stefan Diggs shutting him down on the outside and and like Josh just said Josh Allen seems much, you know very much willing to take the easy throw which is great for fantasy purposes for everybody's sake you know um and i think that keeps that keeps beasley uh like you know a main a, a, a main factor in an incredibly pass heavy offense so it's like you know what what else could you ask for for a guy who you, you might have scooped off the waiver wire or you know drafted really late
0: Hayden, you are kind of defining yourself, though, in this episode by dominating Jarvis Landry and Cole Beasley. I'm not sure what that says about you, but here we are here in week 14. I am looking at his uh, route chart, by the way, in week 13, Cole Beasley. He has a catch, one catch that was over 26 yards downfield, another one that was over 35 yards down the field, another one that was 21 yards down the field. So like these are catches and routes that are kind of breaking the stigma that typically comes with Cole Beasley. So being able to do that. Again, I'm not sure if that's going away because and I'm sure, I'm sure a number of those were on these Josh Allen broken plays. And a receiver who is in sync with his quarterback in those situations, we can see like Marquise Brown against the, the Cowboys, right? In terms of as soon as your quarterback, he escapes the pocket. Hey, let's roll out, roll to his side and he can find you. And we know Josh Allen, those situations is a pedal to the floor player. He's going to want to push the ball down the field. And so while those might not be stable week to week in most offenses, I kind of think they are with the Buffalo bills. Cause that's kind of ingrained and factored into their game
3: right now already. So, all right, Denny close us out. Everybody's most hated running back on earth. David Montgomery who is the RB11, whether you like it or not. And I know you probably don't like it. Yeah, I mean, he's on his way to, you know, an RB1 fantasy season, uh, which seems impossible considering how the the season started for him. But it's all about Tariq Cohen going down to injury this season uh, uh, in week three. So since week four, no one has run more pass routes. No running back has run more pass routes than David Montgomery and only seven running backs have more targets than David Montgomery. And that's, I mean, that's wild. That that's is crazy. ludicrous, right? And and I, I honestly, uh, I mean, it was clear. It was clear from the get go that he was going to just take the whole backfield to himself. It wasn't really working out, but the volume was always going to be built into his, you know, his weekly prospects. Uh, so it, I mean, it's a good thing that he has the, the all the pass game involvement in the world because. Ah, uh, you know, despite being um, ninth in carries this year, he's 16th in rushing yardage. So, as you know, as anybody knows who who drafted him or who may may have picked him up after a frustrated uh, f- uh, fellow manager dropped him, uh, you know that he's been just amazingly inefficient with his touches. I mean, breathtakingly so. Uh, but the last couple weeks have proven that you know volume sometimes can pay off he has 52 fantasy points over those uh, past two outings you know that's not going to continue through the rest of the season most likely Uh, but I'm a sucker for for volume and 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 I always have been like and I probably you know lean that way too often uh, with volume over efficiency but in this case it's just really hard to bench a running back who is seeing the kind of opportunity that David Montgomery is seeing week in and week out. Hayden, is David
0: Montgomery still the same player? Has he has he changed? Is this just opportunity working out? Is this just being on the good side of regression? Like what's happening?
2: Well, when you're the RB eight in fantasy usage and you're averaging 15.7 PPR points since Treat Cohen's injury, like the volume is there, you're getting all the targets, you're getting all the goal line work. So I don't even really care that much that right. he looks really awful. And uh, like you're kind of uh, insinuating, the last couple of weeks he does look a little bit, a little bit more bursty. Um, I, I'm not going to put too much into that. I think that he's probably still the same player that he has been for the last two seasons. The the difference recently have been the matchups and the good news for David Montgomery managers down the stretch, they play the Texans. They play the Vikings. They play the Jaguars. Uh, Those guys have no linebackers, none of those teams or defensive linemen. Really, they all get run on all the time. And I think that the bears, when they're rolling and Mitch Trubisky is, is, isn't turning the ball over all the time. David Montgomery is going to see 15 to 20 carries. And even in negative game scripts, he's now suddenly going to catch close to five passes a game. So I think that his floor is actually, a little higher than people want to give him credit for. And I think that anybody with a targets plus goal line role has a plenty enough ceiling, especially in good matchups.
0: Yeah. Since week six, he has one week of seven carries inside the 20 yard line, two weeks of four carries inside the 20 yard line, one week of three carries inside of the 20 yard line. I mean, those are high value touches. And in some cases, I'm thinking back to the games that I've watched of the bears this year. He's had his best runs in those areas. I mean, crazy tackle breaking where he looks bursty, some might say, where he looks explosive, where he looks nimble, because there are other stretches, long stretches of Dave Dave Montgomery's career, where we see him break the first man, and it looks like he's in quicksand trying to get to that second level or that second defender and just is immediately knocked down. I, I mean, he is on just this incredible. I mean, he was the highest scoring running back of week 13. 111 yards on 21 touches and, and two touchdowns. He's now at a hundred total yards in back-to-back weeks and in three of his last four games. Yeah. Hare's hoping that it works out. I mean, someone look, i made fun of myself earlier. I also said, pre- heading to this year that Dave Montgomery's rookie season might be the worst of his NFL career. And now we're only towards the end of his second NFL season. It's certainly looking a lot better than it was during his rookie year. Despite the fact that, you know, this team still has much Trubisky and Nick Foles at quarterback, he he's and I wouldn't have guessed him as the one. But he is the one who is, you know, transcending that offense right now, along with Allen Robinson.
3: Yeah, I think uh, w- getting back to kind of the psychological barriers of starting a guy who you just couldn't stand for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you kept plugging him in. You kept getting nothing despite him being on the field a lot and seeing a lot of touches of course this defines Montgomery, but uh, you know, you, you have to eventually accept, and I hope, I hope Montgomery drafters did just that over the past couple of weeks, you have to accept that uh, in our game in volume matters a lot, a lot. And when you, like Hayden said, when you're getting uh, targets and you get those high value touches near, near the end zone, you know, it's very hard to find a running back that gets that sort of, those sort of chances and Montgomery will continue to see that. I mean, in, in this week, it would be hard, very hard not to rank him as, you know, locked in top. What? 12.
0: Yeah. 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 I the mean, he, he's, locked, he's locked into lineups. And I think part of that is one, what he's done the last few weeks, but also as we hit the fantasy football playoffs, the running back position is an absolute nightmare. I, I wrote about this in my bus column. I talked about in the waiver show. I started eight. No, in a league with very good players. And, My running backs to start eight and zero were Clyde Edwards Elair and Miles Sanders, and now I've like barely put up ninety points in each of the last three or four weeks. And you know we've lost Antonio Gibson, we've lost a whole bunch of these Ty Gurley, like these fantasy starters at the position that is already a much smaller bucket than wide receiver is just overall. And now we're limping into the playoffs. So if you, if you have one or even two yeah. locked in stars at the running back position, you are miles ahead of your competition who might have good records, but probably looking at their
2: rosters right now are not as
0: good as, as it appears.
2: I would much rather have David Montgomery than Miles Sanders right now. Yeah. That's, like it's, it's without question. Like the workloads are totally different. I'll say the, the last thing with David Montgomery, and I need to do a better job of this, is when you're looking at the game logs and you've seen like this player has never cleared, like let's say 16 fantasy points in a game. That doesn't mean that his ceiling is only 16 points. Like just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean that there's not a path to a higher ceiling. So I think even last week when people were looking at David Montgomery and DFS, they're like, all right, he's never even hit like 18 fantasy points. There's no way I can play him. There's no ceiling there, but there is a ceiling just because he hasn't shown. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have that appeal of breaking that barrier. So I think that, Uh, with the same thing with floors, same thing with ceilings, just because they haven't shown it doesn't mean that there isn't a higher ceiling than what they've showed the last uh, 10 weeks. Speaking of the bus column, just a little bit of research that
0: I did showed that Peyton Barber, I don't know if you remember this, but in week one, I think he had 10 carries inside the 20 yard line and seven carries inside the 10 yard line, which is one of the wilder box scores of any fancy performing this year. In comparison, Miles Sanders has eight carries in total inside the 10 yard line all season long. I mean, He's not getting opportunities anywhere and certainly not high-value touches. I mean, I hate that I drafted Miles Sanders right now. Just absolutely hate it. I'm just hoping. I'm hoping for Jalen Hurts to turn into Kyler Murray and defenses to treat him like Kyler Murray right now so he has to hand off like they do to Kenyon Drake every single time in goal line situations. That's what I'm praying for. That's like my only avenue out
2: of this.
3: It can't can't get worse. It cannot get worse
2: for Miles Sanders. No. Just wait for Jordan Howard's 15 carries. I,
1: <laughs>
2: I hate it so much.
0: Are there any, any other names you guys want to talk about? I mean, we've mentioned in these recap shows lately, T.Y. Hilton. We've we've mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Uh, again, as we head into 2021, a lot of these names in these final four or five weeks are, are going to define our perspective of them heading to next season versus the perspective of them that we had in the first five weeks of the season. Hayden, anyone else you want to mention?
2: Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is one of these guys. I think that DeAndre Swift is the kind of better version of Jonathan Taylor, just from a workload perspective, if he comes back to full health and they play the the Packers and the Titans the next two weeks. I hope that he's out there because we've seen that the Lions offensive coordinator or now interim head coach wants to play faster. And last week we saw their neutral pass rate go up and that helps DeAndre Swift because he's going to catch more targets. The Lions are also going to move the ball a little bit better. So I think that... DeAndre Swift, kind of like David Montgomery, like if he's fully healthy, I think I'm going to be flirting with him like as a uh, RB1, like maybe like around like RB11, RB12. Hmm.
0: By the way, Marvin Jones is another player who's just absolutely exploded over the last six weeks. He's basically been a must start. 51 targets, 32 catches, 393 yards and five scores. Whereas like from a, a roster perspective, the Lions are punting already to 2021 and Kenny Galladay is clearly just looking towards free agency yeah. and not wanting to come back this season. Uh, yeah. Money, money, money. Who could blame him? Uh, yeah. Marvin Jones is the one. And this team is still playing. I don't know if you've got to watch that. Speaking of the bears, that bears game, it was a miraculous comeback, r- ridiculous comeback that absolutely no one is talking about because it's two meaningless teams, but that was a major meltdown by Chicago. I can't believe Stafford ended up with four
3: hundred yards. I remember, you know, looking in the first half, he had like he had like a hundred yards passing, and, I, and he ends up with four hundred.
2: Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the players hated Matt Patricia so much that they're going to actually go out and play well down the stretch, to like in spite of Matt Patricia. I go to finish, on. It,
3: In honor of Matt Patricia, I watched the games on Sunday with a pencil in my ear, like this. Look. Nice. Like this. <laughs> It's a good pencil. look, Jimmy. Thank you. You look smarter.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, feel smarter. <laughs> you could pass as you know a a coming of age actor in a and a teen drama in the in the '90s. That's exactly <laughs> what
3: you look like right now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> my hair is very '90s. The pencil very '90s. Yeah. I need to be sitting backwards in a chair. You know, yes, like, you know, oh, like, or like 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 AC Slater sort of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it, Hayden AC Slater. No.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Anyways, we'll get out of here on that one. Um, all right. Go and check out Denny's target decoder column. Go and check out my bus column. And I'll be back with Hayden, Pat, and Daigle for the game-by-game Game preview show, which will be out on Friday morning. And, again, join us for Road Live this Sunday, noon Eastern, served by Applebee's. We'll get you ready, your perfect lineups, answering your questions for 45 minutes, leading, leading up to kickoff. Again, that is noon Eastern on Sunday. All right. For Hayden, for Denny, I'm Josh Bill. Talk to
1: y'all soon. See ya. Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
4: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last.